0: Scripture lesson, the book of Acts, the second chapter. Acts, the second chapter. And beginning there at the 37th verse. Acts 2 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, or Holy Spirit, for the promises unto you, and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. In many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. All that believed were together and had all things common, and they and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. That's Acts two thirty-seven to forty-seven. Let us bow in prayer. Our Father, we're truly grateful that we can be here today. And we're thankful for the measure of health and strength that permits us to be here. We know that you are a loving God and a great God. And that you have seen fit to share your word and your truth with us. But it is for us to dig it out and to learn it and to hold it and to convey it to others. So we pray that you be with us today. We might draw nigh to you with our whole heart. Be with those who are in special need of our prayers at this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're continuing to talk about first century Christians. And one of the things we want to talk about today is the worship program of the the early church. How did they worship? What was included in their worship? I feel that this verse that we read to you here about how they continued uh, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. That these uh, are four very easy things to remember. The apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking bread and prayer. These are the things that seem to be with them. It says that they continued daily with one accord. In other words, that there was great unity among them. And uh, the way I like to to explain it is that uh, Jesus and God are the hub. We're spokes. The closer we draw to them, the closer we draw to one another just as spokes in a wheel get closer together as they come to the hub. So there was um, a great love and a great desire to to worship God and so we see uh, how this is shown in, the, in this particular text. I remember a long time ago I clipped it. There was an article by George Cornell. He was a United Press religion writer and he, he talked about the worship uh, program of the early church Uh, He said it was an all-day event, people bringing food. They sang psalms and hymns, had prayers, readings from the Hebrew Scriptures, exhortation on those uh, readings by the elders, reading letters from the apostles, and of course uh, those who had been with the Lord told about being with Him. Uh, They ate the common meal together, and they also partook of the communion which Jesus gave, and also gave alms or offerings for the poor. Uh, Some of these elements that are are involved in that early worship are involved in in this uh, scripture, uh, abiding in the apostles' doctrine fellowship, breaking bread, and, and prayer. So the, uh, when I think about the early church, I think it was very basically the synagogue. Uh, in other words, the synagogue was created during the Babylonian captivity when the children of Israel were carried away into Babylon and had no access to the temple. So they, they assembled and uh they had had the readings and um, songs and prayers and um giving of alms to the poor and, and often ate together too i have not attended what i would strictly call a synagogue but i did a, a, attend a jewish temple and many of these same uh, these same uh, elements are involved uh, there too the first uh thing that we want to notice here is that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The Diaglot says they were constantly attending to the teaching of the apostles. Uh, A lot of people don't like this word doctrine and I I can understand uh, it's been used in a bad way. Uh, Doctrine though is not dogma. If you look up the word dogma, that just means opinion. And mo- most churches have dogma. In other words, these are their opinions on, on different subjects, whereas doctrine means teaching, the substance of teaching. So as a result, when you read about the doctrine of Christ, uh, it's in Matthew seven twenty eight and 29, it's just the teaching of Christ. And if you are talking about the doctrine of the apostles, you're just talking about the teaching of the apostles. So, dogma is not worth much, but doctrine or teaching is very valuable because it is the means of conveying the Word of God to us. The apostles' doctrine was inspired this uh, this is a re- one of the reasons why we should should listen to it because uh, they were inspired they were they were filled with numahagion spiritual gifts uh, they they were no different than we are as far as remembering everything that Jesus did and so it was in the, through the power of God that they were able to call to remembrance the things that Jesus taught and. To write them down and to convey them to us. Uh, I have given studies on the four Gospels. They're not the same. We don't want them to be the same. These are four witnesses. And these witnesses are really aimed at different uh, people. And so we want them to be different, but they are basically the same in their teachings. And um, so as a result, uh, as Jesus taught, the apostles heard. And, uh, in fact, when you go back to it, the doctrine of the apostles is the doctrine of Jesus. The doctrine of Jesus is the doctrine of God, because that's where it all, it all came from. In other words, it starts with God. He's the one that gave the word to Jesus. Jesus is the one that gave it to the apostles. And, uh, as a result, they were, they were uh, inspired and the word was confirmed with them. I like um, Hebrews the second chapter where we talked about the word that was spoken by angels was steadfast, especially talking about the Mosaic. Uh, how shall we escape? is Hebrews 2, the third verse. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord? And it was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, that is the apostles. God also bearing them, the apostles' witness, with signs, wonders, diverse miracles, and gifts of Numahegion according to his own will. Uh, there are three different Greek words used here. The signs of and does mean sign, and in the book of John every time the word miracle occurs it's, it's the word sign. These are signs to people that are watching that he is the Messiah. And uh, miracles, these are uh, dunamis, gifts of power. And uh, then wonders just mean that. Tyrus, they're, they're things that you just wonder at. And they may not be miracles, they may not be signs, but but uh, you wonder at them. And then finally, uh, gifts of Uh These were specific gifts that uh, proved these things to be true. So when you trace this back, it's just about like there in Corinthians where it said, The head of every man or every every woman is the man but head of the man is Christ and the head of Christ is God. So that goes, it's just like we're talking about this inspired word. Yes, we, we, we give heed to the apostles doctrine because it's inspired but it came from Jesus whose doctrine came from God. So if we stay in the apostles' doctrine, we're staying in God's doctrine or God's teaching. So there's no mystery about that as to where it came from. In fact, uh, Ephesians 2.20 says that the apostles and and contemporary prophets were the foundation of the church. That is their teachings, uh, what they believed. Uh, It so happens that in our uh, Bible, more of the, uh, the so-called New Testament is made up of the letters of Paul. Uh, he he was uh, one who was born out of due time, as he said in First Corinthians fifteen, and as an abortive and, but he was nevertheless an, an apostle. So we we listen to his words. So the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ, Acts eight twelve. Nature of man, Acts 2, 29, 34, said, uh, David's dead. David's not ascended into heaven. These are, he's dead and buried. His sepulchre is with us to this day. That's what it says in Acts 2, 29, and, uh, 34. David is not ascended into the heavens, but he said himself, Yahweh said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand. So you see that that uh, a part of a part of their doctrine, which was the doctrine of God, was the correct, believing in the nature of man or the sleep of the dead. Uh, David was a man after God's own heart, and I figured that if anybody was going to ascend to heaven, uh, surely God had let him. But uh, Peter is here on the, in that sermon on the dead Pentecost, telling him no. Uh, he hasn't ascended; he's dead and buried, and his grave is here with us today. The resurrection and the reign of Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, I delivered unto you among the chief things that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins and was buried. And the third day he was raised from the dead, according to the Scriptures. He was seen of these different people. And then it goes on to talk about, I want to show you a sacred secret, we shall not all sleep. It goes on and talks about the coming of Christ, change the mortal living. Uh, to immortality, to change the corruptible dead, to incorruptibility. The, these are these are, are part of the doctrine of the apostles, which was the doctrine of Christ, which was the doctrine of God. The restoration or restitution of all things and in the book of Acts it's, talks about them. In other words, uh, this earth is going to be restored to its original Edenic condition. Over and over, baptism is taught, and, and so on. So these are, these are the teachings of the apostles, and we, we continue in those. There has never been an improvement on this message. It is, uh, you can't improve on the message of God. People try to, but you cannot improve on the message of God. In fact, uh, I don't ask anybody to believe what I say. The, the, the thing is, there are enough places in the Bible that says, Thus saith the Lord, or the word of the Lord came unto, and names the different apostles, the prophet, and so forth. Uh, these are, this is how the Word of God came, and it, it's a saving message. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, there where he said he delivered among them the chief things, he said, By which you are being saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached to you, unless you believe in vain. So this is, the, the apostles doctrine is the basis of, a, of the foundation of our church and of our own lives. And, and we listen to them. Paul in writing to his young son Timothy said, Till I come give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. That's 1st Timothy 4.13. And 16th verse says, Take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you shall both save yourself and them that hear you. It's a saving thing. It's it's, The means we have of uh, being saved in the end is by taking heed to the doctrine uh, which has been given us. To me, it is very sad, and I, I brought this out continually in this series on the, the first century Christians, that they were human, and it wasn't long until false teaching began to creep in. And I'm, I'm sorry to say that, I'm, I'm sorry to read that, I'm sorry to know that, because it seems that the people would uh, appreciate what they had and would not, would not turn away. But there are other versions and perversions of the gospel. The second thing they did was fellowship. And that means the act of partaking or sharing, uh, participation, communion. And that, that text there that we read in, in, the, in the Scripture lesson about th- how they continued daily with one accord. And that is, that's the way of saying it, one accord, means that they were one action, in action, one in purpose and had uh, <clears throat> great unity. I think that the church is one of the greatest unifying bodies in the history of the world. It can take people of different educations, different backgrounds, different languages, different races and bring us all together. And we're like brothers and sisters. And uh, that, is, that is the great miracle of the church. And that is what fellowship is all about, is, is this unity that we have in Christ. Uh, fellowship is essential and needed. And it involves support and nurture. It's one thing I loved about our Greenville Church. When one suffers, we all suffer. And if somebody is needy, were there to help. And I think this is a beautiful thing about our, our fellowship and our sharing. And the other, third thing it mentioned was breaking of bread, and this means merely to eat bread. Uh, Jesus was known in the breaking of bread when he, he gave thanks and broke it. They knew him. Uh, Paul uh, when they were shipwreck uh, he the people were denying themselves food and were in very serious physical condition. He said, there are not going to be any lives lost, uh, let's eat. And he, he he broke bread and gave thanks. And there weren't any lives lost in the shipwreck. The I'm sure that both the common meal and the communion are, met, are used or mentioned or meant by this breaking of bread. But we all know that when you get over in First Corinthians' 11th chapter, that the Corinthians were abusing this service. They, yes, they came together in this worship service, eat the common meal and to have communion too, but they were mixing them, and, uh, and they were doing wrong things. Some were full and some were hungry. They didn't wait for others when they got ready to eat the communion. And so it was, it was bad. Paul said, I, I can't praise you in this. And uh, so he, he said it was a, a bad thing. He wanted them to straighten it out. So I'm sure that, that in, in the uh, get-togethers of the early church and the worship program, it did involve the common meal, but it did involve uh, eating or partaking of the communion too. The fourth thing that I mentioned, and this is very important in, in our lives, is prayer. And it's, I could not. Uh, I could have, but I I stopped. I start out in the Book of Acts, noting every place that prayer talked about. These all continued one accord in prayer and supplication. Acts 1.14, This was talking about the apostles, with the others, and um, they prayed, and uh, when they were going to re, um, appoint a successor to Judas said, Lord, you know the hearts of men, show who we should choose. So they depended on prayer and uh, all the way through the 4th chapter, 23, 24, 6th chapter, 4th and 6th verses, 11th chapter, 5th verse, 12th chapter, 5th and 12th verses, 13th chapter, 3rd verse, 16th chapter, 25th verse, 20th chapter, 36th verse, 21st chapter, 25th verse, over and over. he's all talk about how Dependent the early church was on prayer um, when when there were needs when there were when there was need of guidance and when there was there was need of help uh, they prayed and uh it's important in fact Paul said in first thessalonians five seventeen to pray without ceasing he didn't mean pray continuously, but to pray is on all occasion, pray on all occasions when you're blessed. When you're needy, when you're hurting, whatever it is, uh, remember to pray. This is also one of the great things that brings us together uh, in a common bond in the church. We all know that it's still needed, and uh, the factual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, James said, we may be able to not make it rain or stop it from raining, As Mentions, but it's probably not his will. But we we do pray because of the the power of prayer. There there is power in prayer. So the early church is a pattern. I feel very comfortable with the first century Christians. I believe we could we could attend other than the language that would probably hold us back. I think we would be comfortable going to church with our forefathers. And we want to be sure that that we are following the the plan that's laid out here in the in the worship program, continuing steadfastly in the apostles doctrine, breaking fellowship, breaking bread and prayer. That's Acts 2, 42. We thank you for your time.